ಬಂದಿದೆ ಬಂದಿದೆ ಹಿರಿಯರ ವಾಣಿ ಹಿರಿಯರೇ ಇತರ ರಾಜಾರಾಣಿ ಹತ್ತೋಣ ನಾವು ಅವರ ನೆನಪಿನ ದೋಣಿ ಕೇಳುತ್ತಾ ಖುಷಿ ಪಡೋಣ ಹಿರಿಯರ ವಾಣಿ ಕೇಳ್ತಾನೆ ಖುಷಿ ಪಡೋಣ ಹಿರಿಯರ ವಾಣಿ ಕೇಳ್ತಾನೆ ಖುಷಿ ಪಡೋಣ ಹಿರಿಯರ ವಾಣಿ ಇದು ಹಿರಿಯರ ಕತೆ ಹಿರಿಯರ ಜೊತೆ ನಿಮ್ಮ ಹಿರಿಯರ ವಾಣಿಯಲ್ಲಿ ಕೇಳ್ತಾನೆ ಇರಿ ಖುಷಿಯಾಗಿರಿ ಹಲೋ ಲಿಸ್ನರ್ಸ್ ದಿಸ್ ಇಸ್ ಯುವರ್ ಆರ್ ಜೆ ಸತ್ಯಾಚಾರಿ ಅಂಡ್ ಐ ವೆಲ್ಕಮ್ ಯು ಆಲ್ ಟು ಅನುಭವ್ ಎ ಜಾಯಿಂಟ್ ಪ್ರಾಜೆಕ್ಟ್ ಆಫ್ ನ್ಯಾಷನಲ್ ಇನ್ಸ್ಟಿಟ್ಯೂಟ್ ಆಫ್ ಸೋಷಿಯಲ್ ಡಿಫೆನ್ಸ್ ಮಿನಿಸ್ಟ್ರಿ ಆಫ್ ಸೋಷಿಯಲ್ ಜಸ್ಟಿಸ್ ಅಂಡ್ ಎನ್ಪವರ್ಮೆಂಟ್ ಗೌರ್ಮೆಂಟ್ ಆಫ್ ಇಂಡಿಯಾ ಅಂಡ್ ಮೀಡಿಯಾ ಫಾರ್ ಕಮ್ಯುನಿಟಿ ಫೌಂಡೇಶನ್ ಇಂಪ್ಲಿಮೆಂಟೆಡ್ ಬೈ ನೈಟಿಂಗೇಲ್ಸ್ ಮೆಡಿಕಲ್ ಟ್ರಸ್ಟ್ ಪ್ರಾಜೆಕ್ಟ್ ಕನ್ಸೀವ್ಡ್ ಬೈ ಡಾಕ್ಟರ್ ಆರ್ ಶ್ರೀಧರ್ ಪ್ರಾಜೆಕ್ಟ್ ಇನ್ವೆಸ್ಟಿಗೇಟರ್ಸ್ ಅಲೋಕ್ ವರ್ಮಾ ಕೋಆರ್ಡಿನೇಟರ್ಸ್ ಪೂಜಾ ಮುರಾದ ಸಾಯಿ ಸುಧಾ ಕೌಶಲ್ಯ ಗೌರ್ಮೆಂಟ್ ಆಫ್ ಇಂಡಿಯಾ ಹ್ಯಾಸ್ ಇನಿಷಿಯೇಟೆಡ್ ಎಲ್ಡರ್ ಲೈನ್ ಟೋಲ್ ಫ್ರೀ ನಂಬರ್ ಒನ್ ಫೋರ್ ಫೈವ್ ಸಿಕ್ಸ್ ಸೆವೆನ್ ಎಲ್ಡರ್ಸ್ ಆರ್ ಎನಿ ಒನ್ ಆನ್ ಬಿಹಾಫ್ ಆಫ್ ಎಲ್ಡರ್ಸ್ ಕ್ಯಾನ್ ಕಾಲ್ ಬಿಟ್ವೀನ್ ಮಾರ್ನಿಂಗ್ ಏಟ್ ಎ ಎಮ್ ಟು ಏಟ್ ಪಿ ಎಮ್ ಫಾರ್ ಎನಿ ಕ್ವೆಶನ್ಸ್ ಕ್ವಾರಿಸ್ ಅಂಡ್ ಸಪೋರ್ಟ್ ಟು ಎಲ್ಡರ್ಲಿ today we have with us radha prati she is a storehouse of talents uh, but she is a very familiar figure to most of us a professor of english and sanskrit literature by profession she is into traditions scriptures culture arts and crafts painting and philosophy now all of us are very familiar with a lot of our indian traditions and culture but in a very superfluous manner we are not aware of so many inner stories and its background usages in our present lives radha has done a lot of research into all these aspects as she conducts workshops for children to respect the same we will be greatly benefited by her expert insight and analysis in our hobbies are reading knitting gardening and reflecting on the philosophy of everyday life her articles have been published in the deccan herald and the issue and the hindu she covers most issues with the exception of politics and sports Now it's over to you, Rafael. It's all yours. Thank you. Good morning, all of you. Namaste. Thank you, Visha, for that introduction. I hope I live up to this expectation of my familiar audience and also my unfamiliar audience. as the topic says i can only scratch the surface because you know the deeper you go the deeper it gets and uh, what i'm going to do is i will not look at it from a superficial point of view but i will probably look at how uh, we can look at every you know there is philosophy in everyday life of an indian with or without the knowledge of it most of us do many things without really uh you know knowing the deep significance of what we do you know for so that matter everything that we do uh can be interpreted at three levels one at the physical level that is at the literal level you know uh, why we do what we do for what uh, and what purpose it serves but then you find that at the mental level there is a certain amount of intelligence purpose and uh a kind of what shall we say uh, a method in which we do what whatever we do can be understood but everything can be taken to a spiritual level okay so we are going to look at some basic aspects of life 
वॉट आर द बेसिक एस्पेक्ट ऑफ लाइफ एज ऑल इफ इज लोकेटेड रोटी कपड़ा और मकान राइट ऑल इफ इज नीड टू ईट ऑल इफ इज नीड टू वेयर क्लोथ टू प्रोटेक्ट अर्सल्स फ्रॉम द एलिमेंट्स ऑफ दर एंड वी नीड अ शेल्टर and uh, this is a universal thing it is there across the world everybody does that okay and everybody does it for uh, basically the same purpose but then what can be so esoteric about the food we eat okay i think uh, when you actually read uh, you know when we look at our uh, way of understanding food we call it as not just annam but anna brahma okay what is anna brahma you know this brahma is not this creator brahma but it is brahman which helps us to maintain the equation between the sthula and the sukshma that is the sharira and the atma it keeps us together the food is what which helps us to sustain and you find that food you know when you come to the topic of food in india you will find that there are 100000 varieties to the power of i don't know how much and each house will have its own special variation of cooking the very same dish which is probably you know uh, predominantly cooked in the same community so you can say it is like each for one and one for each kind of food so i am not talking about the varieties of food but the concept of this food you must have all noticed that see in a traditional uh, setup or in a household how do we have our food you know we offer the chitravati we pour the water around the thing and offer it you know uh, and then to the brahman and then consume it which shows that we uh, it it doesn't mean that we worship the food that we eat it means that we respect there is a difference between worshiping and respect worshiping can also be uh, you know a token value but when you respect it it takes a different dimension and then we also find you know food is offered by way of prasad and it is who who are uh, who offers the prasadam it is the gods but who is it who uh, you know makes it into the prasadam it is we you know you make something offer it to god as a nivedanam okay as a naivedya and then when you take it back it gains some kind of a elevation and it becomes you know blessed by uh, by the superior power which comes back to us as a blessing which we consume probably gives us a little more pep a little more energy than if we just took it if you just buy half a kg of laddu from asha sweets it will taste good why not it is worth all the money that you pay it but then why does a few boondies from the tirupati ladoos you know uh, become so very special basically because you know it has offered to us as prasad now talking of the laddu you know we keep offering the laddu as a prasadam or you know as a token of our happiness during childbirths marriages functions festivals and all of it but what does the laddu indicate i'm just going to look at as i told you just scratch the surface so maybe one night so all of us know that a laddu is made of boondis and all the boondis are made of the same material ingredients okay and they are all shaped almost similarly together they become the laddu 
they are fusing together as the lid. So each bundi itself is like a microcosm constituting to the macrocosm. You know, this is the concept of the laddu. Why do we give the laddu? Because we want to say that, like I told you, to each, to each in one and one in each. You know, one in all. So you find that each bundi is a representative of the whole, and together they represent the whole. And that is why the laddu is given so much of predominance as a, uh, you know, uh, as a sweet during these functions. The other common word that we use is modakam. See, in the next two weeks, we are going to have the Ganesh Chaturthi next Friday. And uh, all of us are going to come up with, a whip up a whole lot of recipes regarding this modakam. Okay. Each region will come up with something saying that, hey, this is our speciality. But what is modakam at the end of the day? It is mudati. Means that which gives you mudam. Mudam is happiness in Sanskrit. Is modak. That's all. So when you actually look at the etymology of the word, it could mean anything. Like every kind of modakam, every creativity added to the dish. If it gives you the happiness of having offered it to the Lord and taking it back, it can become so like this, this is just as I told you, I'm just scratching the surface. I, we just looked at roti. And what about kapda? The clothes we wear. You know, there is a specific reason why we wear the clothes we wear. When we look at the ethnic traditional clothes, you know, there are the two categories that are prescribed by the Shastras for a very specific reason. One is the ahatas and the anahata, that is bleached clothes and unbleached clothes. I mean, in other words, it's like washed and unwashed. And we all know this concept of muddy. When you don't wash a cloth, it is it can be reused again, something like that. But then you also notice that they have a single piece of unstitched cloth. Okay. And usually you wear it as only twin cloth. Okay. Uh, even today, when you offer uh, clothes to people on a traditional occasion, you don't give, offer them a single cloth. You give a sari with a blouse piece or a dhoti with a shirt piece or something like that. So you find that it is symbolic. When a person wears two pieces of unstitched cloth, that means the occasion is mangalakara. It is auspicious. Okay, And when it is not... Mangalakara, you wear a single cloth. See, for instance, during instances of funerals or shraddhanjalis, you just wear a single piece of cloth or in uh, singular. Okay. Whereas, when it, if it's a happy occasion, it's always two pieces of cloth. And so also with the abushana that we wear. You know, it's not just vastram, it is also abushana. So, all the abushanams that we wear, not only uh, speak about our aesthetic values, our economic status, and, uh, you know, probably our taste for good dressing and uh, the rest of it. But if you actually look at it, all the piercings that we do around the ears and the nose, which is called as a punk tradition in some countries, but it is an accepted tradition as far as India is concerned. You find that it is done for a certain reason. See, when you pierce, what happens is, we all know that the blood flow is always going on in, a, in its natural course. Okay. And if you want to uh, elevate or probably, uh, what shall we say, accelerate 
or change then what happens is you have to change the direction it's like a traffic jam situation see let us say there is a traffic jam at the corporation circle in bangalore so what will the police do if in the worst come case they will divert traffic through vital malya road and other roads so that it can be contained you know and then it can ease out and that's exactly what our peer sings do you know and you find that this constant peer, this peer sing actually keeps our systems in a very uh, what shall we say good and uh, apt condition and uh, also when we wear our jewelry it is usually recommended that it should be one of the uh, what shall we say the yellow metal or silver and uh, or the panchalohas one of the panchalohas iron copper you know or uh, gold silver so you find that these are the uh, metals when they embrace our body or when they graze through our body grazed you will find that they activate certain nerves which is good for us the reason why we wear an anklet or the toring or the nose ring or a chain or a set of bangles is not only for the aesthetic value but it is also for the well being of our nervous system see for instance a pregnant lady is asked to wear a number of glass bangles during her pregnancy especially after the 6th or 7th month after the shrimanta okay and this has got a very practical purpose the purpose is see when she is wearing so many bangles and she is also told additionally make sure that none of these break till the day of your delivery so it is an automatic uh, what we call as some kind of a, a hump on the road you know it slows down the driving similarly it slows down the pregnant woman because she will be cautious and careful while treading one two and all her bangles will make this little tinkling noise which will you know ensure that there are no obstacles in her way even if somebody is you know on her way inadvertently what will happen is they will hear her bangle or her anklet and then bangles or her anklet and then clear and make way for her so you find that these have both as i told you everything has a practical purpose there is a mental uh, uh, you know chime there and then there is also a connect out there at another level and now you find that it is not just the abushana okay it is also the alankaras that we have like for instance all of us you know whether we are, no matter to which gender you belong to we wear something on the forehead the bindi the tilaka whatever you call it okay and uh, this uh, of course you know you can give it a lot of religious significance which it has okay i'm not going to venture into that or it has a lot of aesthetic significance and uh, it adds to your personality i am not going to dwell on that also but what is the original purpose of wearing uh, a bindi or a tilaka not just on the forehead but in ashtangams you know the men usually put it in the ashtangam whether it is the vibhuti or the tiruman or the tilak or whatever the, re- the reason is you are activating the agna chakra which is there between the brows so you find that you know this activation of the agna chakra has to happen continuously for us to be alert and to have a mentally hygienic 
life that is also very important it's not just important if we are physically well off or uh, physically good we should also be in a uh, state of mental clarity at all points of time and then what about our hair you know uh, this Kesha Lankaram is something which is a subject by itself on which we can actually write a thesis. Okay. So you find that when the moment you look at a person's hair, you can make out, you know, what is happening in their lives. Like for instance, you find that a haircut or probably, you know, a tonsure happens usually only on a couple of occasions. One, as an offering to the Lord as your prayer. One. The second time that it happens or the next two times it happens is when you lose your parents and the men usually tonsure their head and this is what it is symbolic of. And when women are told not to, you know, cut their hair or probably make sure that it is plated till the end, there is a certain reason because the hair, as you know, is supposed to be a symbol of our energy. I can just give you a small example. See, all of us have seen these pictures of gods and goddesses. They are not photographs of the gods, but we have representations of paintings done on the basis of what the artist has interpreted from the texts. Okay. And you will find that all of them have let their hair down. Okay. And yet, the common man is told, tie up your hair. Why? Because the hair is a symbol of energy. Okay. And when you let down, you must have plenty of hair to let down. You know, plenty of energy to let down your hair. Because, see, the first thing when we are asked to do a task, what do we do? We tie up our hair. Right? The women tie up the hair. Even otherwise, you just do this. And it gives you a lot of energy because, you know, when you harness the uh, hair, together in a tight bun or into a tight plate or at least pass your hand heavily through the uh, through your hair what happens is you can you will be in a position to harness energy and this is why you know you inadvertently uh, take your hands to your hair or your head when you have to think heavily okay. and you find that letting go of the hair uh, and uh, I, now I've told you why it has been done this way. But when we look at our Mahabharatam, you will find Draupadi says, I'm not going to tie the hair. It is precisely for this reason. Because as a Grihini, as the Grihalakshmi of her uh, home, she is supposed to keep her hair tied, which means she has to keep her energies harnessed. She doesn't see any point in doing that after the kind of insult that she has been uh, through. So she lets it down. Okay. You will find that, uh, you know, uh, in the same Mahabharata, uh, when uh, Drona is sitting in a state of Samadhi, uh, when after Yudhishthira tells him that Ashwatthama is dead, you find that Drishtadyamna, the son of Drupada, uh, you know, he has taken a word that he will kill uh, Drona. So he comes and holds his hair. You know, a fight in Sanskrit or fight in Indian languages, what do you call it? Shikashiki. Hold the head and fight because that is this point of energy. And look at Chanakya. See, the, see recently when I say or talk about Mahabharata, it might sound very far away. But uh, closer home, I mean closer to the date, which is again a few, uh, easily more than a thousand years ago. 
when Chanakya had to establish the Mauryan kingdom and when uh, he, he had to overthrow the Padma, uh, Mahapadmananda, okay, the Nanda dynasty. And uh, that is because he was insulted. And what does he do? He lets his shikha down. See, the Brahmanas wear a shikha, a bun, a man bun. And he lets it down and he says, I am not going to tie this up till I teach this Mahapadmananda a lesson. And he ties his hair up on the day Chandragupta Maurya is crowned as the king of India. So you find that the uh, alankara, the kapda, the clothes that we wear have a lot of meaning. The colors that we wear. Uh, uh, one uh, listening of Meera Bhajans will talk about, you know, oh, uske rang mein rangna. To become one with the color, getting dyed into the color of the, uh, what do you call the Kesariya Balama is both not only a sign of love, but it is also a sign of Bhakti. And each color has its own representation. And if you go deeply into the study of colors, you will find that each of them have a lot of esoteric values. And then I will get on to the next uh, thing. That is the Makan. Roti Kapda or Makan. Makan me kya So you find that Makan can be broadly interpreted as what? As architecture. Okay. All of us live in a house and I think now the architects and the Vastu Purohits or Pandits are making sure that every one of us know a little about Vastu. But then there was a lot of practical good sense when there was a lot of Vastu happening once upon I mean like I mean uh, architecture happening once upon a time. Look at all our temples. It doesn't matter whether it's a North Indian temple or a South Indian temple. You will find that all of them taper to the top. They are broad at the bottom and they taper to the top. It makes engineering good sense because it gives good balance. Okay, But on top, we also see the kumbhas. It's little vessels, metallic vessels. And what are these vessels? And you know that once in every 12 years, you have to perform the kumbhavishika. So what does this serve? Is it just marking? Is it just a hallmark year in which a lot of celebration happens? No. It is actually a year where you are going to refill the kumbha with more of unhusked grains, which are actually non-conductors of electricity. See, in a typical, uh, what shall we say, uh, village or a city. Today we have skyscrapers. You will find that you know uh, no building has to become uh, taller than the gopuram of the temple. This is an unwritten rule, including the palaces. The reason is this. One, of course, you, uh, just to explain it in a literal way, uh, God is superior, superior to everybody. But what is the practical good sense there? So you have a non-conductor there. And so, if at all, there is going to be a, a heavy thunder and lightning, which is going to strike the place, it will be borne by the god, the Gopuram on the temple. So, you find that it has its practical purpose. Nothing is done without a purpose, except that it is not handed down. See, when many things are explained, see, if there are children at home, all of us know, you know, we go on explaining to the child, and after a certain point of time, we get a little tired. 
so you just make up something and then you say hey accept it as it is or i don't know and maybe you should grow up to learn whatever i have to share so you find all of this is actually a component of the uh, makkah and then you also find that uh, you know the building temples you know in the agamavidi the agamavidi has a certain way in which a temple should be built i'm not talking about these street corner temples i'm talking about a typical uh, agamavidi temple whether you it is the nanjundeshwara temple or whether it is the brahmadeshwara koil or whether it is shri shailam or tirupati or anywhere that you go see it will have certain features when you go to the temple there will be a kalyani there that means there is enough water it is either a natural pond which has been uh, you know uh, prepared for domestic purposes or it could be a artificial pond prepared once again for the domestic purposes and then as you enter the temple you will see the dwajastambha this dwajastambha is not only to uh, talk about the greatness of god or to show that he is ruling over the place it is also used during times of war floods fires to caution the village around then the temple bells that are uh, you know uh, used to make announcements and a typical temple will have a goshala a gachashala a nartanashala then there will be a hall to conduct weddings in the praharam you know you will find that there are uh, it's not really a hall it's not like a chowtry but a space to conduct these functions so these were something like uh, like uh, if i have to put it very bluntly it's like a mall in which our youngsters hang out today that's what the youngsters of those old days olden days did they would go to the temple pray to the lord or the goddess and then hang around the temple and then they would have plenty to do and if you are talented you can uh, you know exhibit your talents there and if you want to sell something there you can do it okay there could there would be a small market improvised immediately outside the temple which means it's also going to boost up the economy of the temple so you find that all of this the roti kapda or makan speaks about the basics you know and how these little basics can actually contribute to the big picture and when we do everything thoughtfully or mindfully as we call it these days you will find that you can actually add meaning to an everyday activity okay so apart from this basic thing indians are so stuck up with these reeti rivals you know we are always talking about nam padatti hige or hamara reeti rivaz ye hai whatever so what is what are all these reetis and rivazes about what are all these traditions and cultures that we talk about once again we have they have been formed with the same principle they have been done for a literal practical principle with a lot of mental thought and it is definitely aiming at a spiritual exercise okay we are giving us a deco or giving us a glimpse of what is in store for us or what we can possibly achieve so what are all of this so for instance um all of us know uh, a few things about uh, let us say uh, we know that the vedas have a lot of information okay and uh, there are people who say we must one worship shani 
uh, on Saturday and uh, the Surya on Sunday. Okay, we all go to the Navagraha temples and talk about it. And it is fascinating to note that uh, all those years ago, we identified the planets, their characteristics and all of this. And they were put down as shlokas. See, for instance, look at the Mangala shloka. All of us know how the NASA sent the uh, Pathfinder to Mars. Okay, and what did the Pathfinder find out? That Mars is made of silicon material. It has water and it is livable. That is after you domesticate it to some extent. And look at the shloka of Mangala. Talks of Bhumiputro Mahatejo Jata Mabayakritsada. That's how it goes. Bhumiputro. What is Bhumi made of? Silicon. Okay. And you find that uh, the Putra will also be made of the same silicon, right? And he talks about Vrishtikartach. And it, it talks about the red planet also. It is red in color, it has water in it. So all of these factors are captured in that little shloka. You, you, we have great glimpses of science in all our stories. And one of the famous Navagraha stories, uh, which I'm very fond of narrating, I'll probably take two minutes to do that, will be prob uh, uh, is, you know, uh, the story of Surya, the sun god. Surya was married to Sandhya. And uh, Sandhya found it very, very difficult to live with Surya. So what she did was she cloned herself. Okay, She made a chaya of herself. She made a shadow of herself and requested this chaya to go and live with Surya. Because she could not live with such a resplendent man who was extremely bright and extremely hot. Okay, But chaya manages to live because she is there. And uh, Surya and Chaya have three children among them, two boys and a girl. Okay. And uh, it's Dharma, Yama and Yami. Okay. And uh, as the children grow up, they are uh, just playing in the Devalokam. And uh, you know, um, when children play or when, when all of us look at children, especially in our known circles, the first thing we do is we try to figure out who they look like. Right? So that's exactly what even the devas did. They looked at these two, three children and said, Hey, look at Surya and look at uh, Sandhya. They are all like extremely fair and very good looking people. These children have looks all right. But why are they so dark in complexion? And this one question is enough for Surya to, you know, finally understand that he is not living with his wife, but with her clue. So he kicks up a big ruckus and uh, then what happens is she, he he takes it up with Chaya and she has to confess the truth. That's another part of the story. But the part that I am coming to is uh, he is uh, very upset and uh, for some reason Manda or Shani is also upset with his father. He says, how can we be responsible for uh, all the problems between the two of you? And so you find that uh, Surya is so angry that he takes off one spoke from the wheel of his chariot and he hits uh, Shani. This is the story. And 
see and in this story you have three things we have already come across one scientific factor that is cloning was done one the second thing is it explains you know that the spokes of the wheel of surya also talk about the dinacharya that is our calendar seven days a week you know and one solar month having 30 days and so on and so forth a year and all that so one uh, spoke is taken off once in a while which means it also explains the leap year which kind of makes it and then it also says why shani became manda because his leg was hurt in an irreparable way and he could not walk properly okay so this is one aspect of the story and then as the children grow up nobody is willing to marry yami because they feel she is the illegitimate child of surya so yami becomes extremely upset with this so there is a beautiful yama yami samvada in the samavedam where yami goes and tells yama can we please marry each other since no one is willing to marry me and so uh, though this sounds like apacharam the moment i say this somebody will would have thought me what kind of a crazy thing it is but then this is also this little dialogue is also the predecessor of why people of the same blood especially uh, born of the same womb should not marry each other so there is a long what shall we say a uh, uh, dialogue explaining genetics and genetics has also been understood you know talking about the dnas and all of that but and the other uh, veda that is in the atharvana veda there is also a uh, thing about the naga worship of nagas there all of us i think must have seen nagas under these ashwatha trees right under people trees you will find three naga stones there will be one rajanagam in between then there will be another nagam which will be shaped like a dna it's like this you know it goes like this this is how a dna looks and what are people expected to do the children, the people who want to have children they are supposed to hold one chrysanthemum flower in the palms of their hands and then they are going to go, uh, they are asked to go round and round this tree what does it actually do the chrysanthemum flower has a certain uh, you know a pressure which kind of activates the palms of the hand and then the people leaf which all phase downwards past the energy which means it is kind of preparing the human body to become a little more fertile and what is it what are they going around the naga stones which means that you know if there are any genetic cures i mean of course it goes into as a huge deep science but then the idea is that is how the belief has begun but if you are just going to do things without really understanding you know some of them are not even prayers they are just talking about the Uh, qualities of certain aspects of life so you find that if we consider uh, them to be prayers then it doesn't make sense at all because a prayer is an act of submission whereas when you read out all the properties of a planet it is for you to understand that it is like this 
the uh, the idea of worshiping the planets is to say that you know no matter what your alignment is if we uh, are able to look uh, and understand that you know not everybody can be in the same alignment life becomes easy that is the principle of the navagraha worship it's true isn't it our own five fingers are not alike so how can you expect so many other people to be alike so how how will going around the temple uh, you know and saying like uh, let my husband give up his drinking or you know uh, let my mother in law see some good sense more than that if you are able to look at them as people and understand why they are doing what they are doing and trying to find an answer to it then you will find the alignment will happen And that's exactly what all the navagraha worships are all about and usually a ritual is added in order to channelize our mind it is only to discipline us see today like let us say today is a friday though it can be done every day but you will find that in most houses a lot of things are energized on friday there are some special pujas that happen so because a special puja is happening so you clean up the place you know you draw a rangoli you light a lamp so it's not that you know the act itself may not be important but when you are doing the act what happens is you are concentrating on something which means your mind is free and you are not think, thinking of unnecessary things which means you can do something purposefully and then when you complete that naturally you are a little stress free which means you have enough energy to tackle whatever the day has to offer to you that's all okay so uh, it is about uh, discipline and uh, mind that all our rituals are all about so and then we were talking of also other things like the rivers now you have those rivers of sending pregnant wives to their mothers homes for delivery why do we do that see it is a it has got no great philosophical meaning it is practical good sense see in any kind of a family we know that we all belong to the sanatana dharma and the moment a son is born what happens is he becomes the child becomes a bhagedar of the family's uh, property and usually it can be a little unsafe for the lady to stay in her husband's home during pregnancy for the simple reason that something or somebody could harm her or her child but when she goes to her mother's home she has no uh, what shall we say she she has uh, no claims over the property out there so it's okay for them to take care of her and do it you know this might sound a little brutish in today's society but it is the sad truth even great queens used to go to their mothers homes for this very very simple reason because you know being a queen of a country and uh, having uh, being the potential mother of the crown prince can be dangerous both to the mother and the child we all know the story of pannadai you know how uh, uh, she had to you know replace the prince with uh, with aising with her own baby to save the crown prince for the throne of mewar and we have 100000 stories like this in india which are happening to date and you find that this rivers makes a lot of sense and for the girl also the mother to be also it makes a lot of good sense because it gives her emotional stability and probably a little rest 
uh, much needed rest before her delivery so you find that many of these ribazes are also like this and I, as i told you right in the beginning when i talk of one i'm missing out on 100 others or 1000 others but as i told you the topic is one of what do you call it is like scratching the surface so we can't really go deeper we can't do too many things and then when we talk you must have noticed one thing in my talk am i talking only about ancient things yes but then you will find that the indian tradition you know it is not like a salad bowl it is like a pot of melting cultures see whatever comes to india becomes indian okay this is the point that i am trying to make see for instance i don't know uh, lovers of south indian music must have heard this arabi ragam okay arabi ragam is nothing but you know it was taken from the arabs who came to sell their horses to the chola kingdom so you can perhaps after the talk just go and listen to arabi ragam and play some arabian music and you will see that the swarams are the same you know and today it has become a part of the indian uh, what do you call it? uh south indian uh, carnatic classical music that, that even on uh, tyagaraja aradhana day we all sit and sing sadin chene in arabira see what has been taken from outside has become a part of india it is said that india did not have potatoes till you know the uh, it came from england and it was presented first in the court of jahangir and he didn't know what to do it was given to him on a tray so he said this can be cooked can you please go and do something with it and so the cook the mughal cook actually you know worked on the potatoes and he came up with some parathas and some other dum aloos and things like that and then potato has become a part of our cuisine can you ever think of an indian cuisine without you know a nice potato roast is something that all of us enjoy cholesterol or not carbohydrates or not we all enjoy and it has come from outside we have gathered it in our arms we have domesticated it and made it our own indian aspect like this we have 100 other things so our mornings are never complete without that cup of coffee but did we have coffee before baba budangiri went from chikmagalur on a hajj yatra and he comes back with a few coffee beans and he he plants it in chikbalapur and then it all grew and uh, it has become a part of our lives now we can't think of a day which can go through without the coffee and uh, other thing we have other things like for instance the parda system the sati system or for instance child marriages happening in the borders of india the eastern borders of india gujarat and rajasthan and all these are nothing but the direct results of the various invasions that took place from that area so when the khiljis came when the mughals came so the women there were the first uh, what shall we say the casualties of all the wars and they had to introduce these things and today it has become a part of our dress culture okay so i'm also going to talk about the fusion of cultures very quickly okay i'm just going to put down 10 points where 
just like I told you about the potato or the uh, you know wearing an old knee and things like that, you'll find that so many things. The use of violin in Carnatic classical music. Violin is a very very Western instrument, but today you know you we have great violinists in India. Lal Gudi Jairaman. You know, more recently, uh, Subra, uh, Dr. Subramaniam, L. Subramaniam. And we have a lot of budding violinists in India. And then, what about using candles as gears? Candle is a very, uh, what shall we say, Western thing. But today, when we have our Diwalis, we all prefer to use a diya with a wax candle because it's a little messy to use oil. It has become a part of our thing. See, we have Indianized a alien culture. That's the point that I'm trying to make. We have seen dosa camps where they put Shezwan noodles into masal dosas and give you. Why not? Okay. Or when you do pujas to electric and electronic appliances. Say for instance, when I started off, looked at my laptop today, I said, hey God, make this talk come true. And what was I praying to? My laptop. <laughs> because and it doesn't matter, it's the bhavam which is more important. It doesn't matter whether you put kumkum and chandam to your mixi or whether to your... I will do that to my what's oven if I have to bake. Because I want it to turn out right. That's exactly what our grandmothers did when they did, drew a rangoli and put a haldi kumkum on their stoves, right? And what about uh, the remake of mythologies? See, look at all of our... What was our first movie? After Alam Mara, the speaking movie was Harish Chandra. Then you have Mirabai. Look at the movies. You make those stories again and again and again. You rewrite those stories again and again and again. It's not enough if it is written in one language by one person. Or our Amish Patels and Devdak Patnayaks reach their top only because they have they are going back to the mythology. Okay. And even well, like when ma'am mentioned that I write when I write, I go back to mythology again. You know, I try to draw a new inference. My inference may be new, but the story is the same. So, we do and redo the same things. It is there. And uh, see, we had the HMV records, and then we had the cassettes, and then we had, you know, the CDs, and now you have Spotify, and you have uh, cloud music. And if you want, you will still you can still listen to your Vishnu Sahasranamam on that. That will not change. The device can change, but the Indianness or what do you call the tradition has not changed. And then you look at the fusion of music, art, architecture. We have everything everywhere. You can still play a nice Hindi film song on a keyboard. Who's going to stop you? You can pair your jeans with a nice uh, you know. Kashmiri embroidered top. Why not? Or you can have a nice, uh, you know, candle stand with a uh, Hyderabadi lotus there. You can have this kind of a thing. The fusions are there and uh, we have made it all ours to the point that people don't even know that this has come from outside. Okay. And what about using English words in everyday life? Can all of us think of a word for tomato? In our languages, it's not there. We happily use the English word. And what about the word like bus or car? Of course, we have something like Peyundu in Tamil or something like that. But how many of us do it? 
we don't say three chakra yanam to the auto we call him auto okay and it has become a part of our language and we use it like uh, uh, i was telling the other day if you have to tell directions in the auto you cannot use proper english you can't use received pronunciation okay left to right to if you use it like that he will understand if you are going to say left right he is going to turn back and ask you for directions again okay so you have to you know you have to, uh, we have this way of embracing cultures and making it ours and that is what makes india so special and what about this very recent thing i have noticed i don't have whatsapp though but i can see it on my mails i get a mail and say within 10 seconds share this in 30 a thing if you want immediate blessings then i tell them no i can do without these blessings sorry <laughs> i don't do it that's a different thing but do you remember i think i remember when we were kids we were all, you know we used to get postcards like this saying do this or you go to a temple and then the pujari will say so give 1000 copies of this lalita sahasranamam to 1000 ladies who come here and make sure your daughter will get married in the next 20 days how will a sheet of paper get your daughter married the idea is you want 1000 ladies to recite that okay so you find that some funny things also become a part of the culture which we take even in the electronic era tomorrow even if we have a cloud to ourselves we will keep sending messages which have to be circulated okay and if busha can give me another few minutes is it okay busha so you find that i'm going to talk about how india is post modern okay post modern in and in what sense very quickly we'll just go through it as points okay uh, when people come and tell me we are losing the tradition and culture i always say no we are having it in another form that's all okay and uh, some of it Uh, some of our traditions are so postmodern that people have been able to understand it only today that is not in any specific order but i'll just go through this okay what about the co- uh, concept of the other gender we are all familiar with the male and the female okay what about all the uh, other gender who are biologically neither male nor female today europe has come up with rights for them but look at our stories look at shikandi we had we have had and he was there as one of the warriors in one of the biggest wars that was ever fought okay and when you look at the mughal courts they made sure that the eunuchs were the ones who were in charge of the harems because the mughals felt that their women would be safe with these eunuchs even today you find that uh, up there in the north you will find that when a child is born these people are asked to bless the child okay so we have already integrated them into the thing we don't need lessons we don't need biden and trump and you know x and y and z to tell us hey they are a part of your thing they are a part of us and it's only off late that you know because they are telling we think that we have alienated them no they have been a integral part of our lives from day one okay and then the panchangam all of us are aware of it right today 
what day is today we know it is this tithi this nakshatram this is nothing but a sense of calculation you can get panchangam for any year of the world and uh, no scientist has disputed the panchangam till date if you actually look at it very carefully they even say that uh, today there is going to be rain today is a good day to sow seeds today is a good day to start education you know and the panchangams and uh, you know especially when it comes to the eclipses the leap years we have we make uh, make through with the use of the adhikamasam and we are able to balance and when uh, and what is panchangam it's nothing but computation of numbers and time and isn't that post modern if you have not because the moment we say in tamil usually they say palaya panjangam i always say no it's post modern panjangam it is not old at all it is you know navanavinam it is absolutely new absolutely fascinating something that fascinates me when i look at the calendar every day in the morning when i look at the nakshatram and the tithi i say how did they manage to make it all so accurate and then look at the economy look at our economics sense what will a typical indian do he will not go and buy shares in a market because shares are you all of us know about the recession where we all lost all our money right i mean most people in the west lost their money whereas most people in the east did not lose their money because we had the practical good sense to invest in land and gold which at best can be stolen which means another man can use it but not us okay and then uh, and in education see even the maids who come to our house know the value of the education in fact they spend all uh, their energy in cleaning our homes so that their children can have a better future and what is their definition of better future give them a good education do you need a more post modern thought than this and then what about uh, improvising like see we all know that the chutney so uh, tastes absolutely good when it's done in a grinding stone or where the lassi tastes absolutely good when it is churned best and what did we do we came up with electric grinders electronic grinders we have uh, washing machines that have been improvised as lassi makers we have not changed the taste we have used the same stone used some motor and we are retaining tradition in a modern way what about all the charcoal soaps and pastes and oil baths that we are having today um there's very recently as recently as last week i read this huge uh, uh, article on uh, chemical free cosmetics written by some uh, french you know uh, dietitian but that's exactly what we were doing and i think we all belong all of us in this audience must have seen these um, colgate advertisements some 30 years ago which would say please use the toothpaste and you know and uh, somebody will be using a piece of charcoal and that person will be told throw the charcoal away and use this colgate toothpaste in fact i was looking for it on the what do you call internet to show it to you just for nostalgia but there's no time so i won't do that but then you know but today the same colgate is selling charcoal toothpastes okay and we have chemical free cos- cosmetics and uh, we were using turmeric and all of it and what about the nail art and other things 
you know oh, many of the thing i i always tell uh, the boys in our class you know when uh, somebody oils their hair uh, there was a time when they would be called as a halli burka but today you apply gel on your hair and you look exactly that might as well apply oil which is cheaper and more nourishing to your hair and what about all our puranas and itihasas or uh, what about uh, our itihasas and kavyas when we have hiranyakashipu comes and says i won't die in the morning i won't die in the evening i won't die outside the house i won't die inside the house or when basmasura says i will die only if you know some uh, if i put my hand on my own head what are they doing they are experimenting with the questions of life they are trying to become immortal they are trying to find out what can happen to life after death which is exactly the question that science is asking today that's exactly what the pharaohs of uh, egypt did when they built their pyramids so you find that you know it is a thought that is what you know like we have answered many many questions in uh, indian Uh, you know in uh, through science but till today we do not know what happens to life after death and that's exactly what the puranas were trying to explore what about our ghee we know that milk can be stored in many forms but ghee is the form the only form where it can be kept for years of course the europeans will say what about our cheese but i would tell them personally that your cheese stinks i don't like the smell of many of their cheese but ghee is something that you will never turn away or what about uh, our self help books dale carnegie went uh, used to go running to the bank or our paul sido is going because they have written a whole lot of self help books but what is the bhagavad gita it is talking about managing yourself and it was written all those years ago and ultimately what are indian traditions all about it is about you know finding out the answers to the questions of life and how can this be done you know by understanding our trigunas we should first find out whether we are which category we belong to whether we are satvika rajasa or tamasa okay and then we should find out who our enemy is arishadvargam kamam krodham lobham mohaham madam matsari which quality do we have and which should we get rid of okay first find out which group you belong to which uh, should we get gotten rid of now and then understand that these can be controlled because of a I mean these can be experienced because of our senses the panchindriya and once the panchindriya uh, come once you are able to discipline yourself you will be able to attain the purusharth and what is the purusharth kamam i mean this dharma artha kama moksha okay so we have not we are not against materialism but we are more towards spirituality i hope i have scratched enough thank you for the time thank you so much Thank you for sharing. We love the stories with great meaning. Hope to look for more stories like this. Thank you once again, listeners. I hope you too enjoyed the program. Stay tuned to Hiriya Hiriya Ravani for more such interesting programs. 
government of india has initiated a deadline toll free number 14567 elders or anyone on behalf of elders can call between morning 8 am to 8 pm for any questions and queries and support to elderly